Monday night, HCP, drive time. Kenny T, it's Maestro. It's another Monday after a great weekend of boxing. If you're a boxing fan, it's a great time to be a boxing fan. I want to thank everyone who's tuning in with us right now, right here on Maestro A Boxing. I also want to make sure all of you check out my brother Kenny T's new channel. Link is in this description box. Uh, it's called Knocked Out by Kenny. I want to make sure you hit that subscription box. Uh, and subscribe, all right, or hit that uh, description box and hit that uh, link and subscribe to that. Also, subscribe to Pro Smoke by Maestro. Ah, that's me. I go live every Tuesday night with Joe Habib. We discuss current events on Sucker Punch. So, look, big Monday night for all of you. It's Mano a Mano live with Kenny T, uh, followed by Power Punchers, which is going to be on Calix Boxing 2.0 and is hosted by Calix and the one and only Capitan of HCP. I'm talking about Mr. D-Style Boxing. And uh, look, first and foremost, I want to thank all of the supporters of my channel uh, and of everything that we do over here. See a lot of you active, uh, supporting what we're doing, hitting the membership button, supporting us in the chat. So I got to give... It up, first and foremost, to pugilism. First here today. Let's get right into it, Kenny. Give me your thoughts of this weekend's main event. We were live at the Garden uh, to witness Lomachenko take on Comey. Give me your thoughts, bro. Let's dive right in, brother. Good afternoon. Good evening to everybody, depending on where you're watching. You know what I'm saying? Different times around the world. Uh, so, yeah. Let's get right into it. Madison Square Garden was uh, definitely kind of fun uh, or very fun. Not as packed as I, I'd expect it to be. A good portion of the stadium was blocked off. The top level was blocked off. Uh, expected it to be a sellout. But then again, it is New York and, and we are during COVID and there's a lot of people in New York that do not want to get vaccinated. So it all makes sense. But it was a very, very exciting night. Um from when the main TV card started. I uh, have to um, say that I wasn't too impressed with Nico Ali Walsh moving on from him. Well, actually, uh, Z- uh, Xander Zayas was fought right before him. I think that Nico Ali Walsh should have gone before Xander Zayas in the fighting lineup order. Xander Zayas uh, definitely had a lot more fans and a lot more excitement. Uh, and he went in there and he executed. He did the damn job. Uh, you know, that was a nice little knockout. Nico Ali Walsh didn't impress as much as I expected him to, to especially in a four-round fight. He's still fighting four-round fights. I expect him to be, you know, with the name that he's carrying on his back and with the skill that I expect that name to have, I expect Walsh? him to be knocking. Yeah, Nico Ali Walsh. I expect Walsh him to be knocking. Name. The Walsh name is ringing throughout the world, I guess, right? Yeah, not the Ali name, exactly, because uh, he should have had that man out early and he shouldn't have taken as much punches as he did, in my opinion. Uh Moving on, Jared. Let me touch on that real quick, Kenny, Go uh, before we it. move on. Because I agree with you. We're there from essentially the first fight to the last fight. And all of you who attend these fights know how to divide it for TV purposes. We got the off-TV portion, and then we've got the main ESPN telecast portion. And as Kenny was saying, Ali Walsh kicked off the television portion, and... Xander Zayas, shout out to Peter Khan, his his uh, his manager, great great guy. Uh, Xander Zayas ended the off TV portion. Now, when they showed Xander Zayas on the screen, there was a big pop. 
When Xander Zayas walked down to the ring, big pop. Um, even with the Flavor Flav intro, I mean, there weren't that many screaming fans for Nico Ali Walsh, if I'm going to be honest with you. And personally, I'm not trying to hate on the kid. I've got nothing against him at all. I just think that a four-round fight of that caliber with those two fighters of that caliber should not be leading off an ESPN telecast. That kind of fight is the definition of a bottom-of-the-undercard kind of entry-level fight. And the performance put on by Xander Zayas should have been the performance that led off the telecast, in my opinion. Um, Ali Walsh is a developing talent, if you want to call him that. Uh, he's got a long way to go before he's ready, uh, I would even say, for prospect status. Xander Zayas is already there. Uh, and he's already getting crowd support and fan support. So, look, we got to give that that kid his shine, and we got to put, you know, in my opinion, Nico Ali Walsh in the de- developmental section because it doesn't matter how many of his grandfather's scales he weighs in on or how many times they say grandfather during a fight or grandson during the fight, it's not going to change the fact that talent-wise, I don't think – that he's quite ready yet for main card ESPN level. But that's just my opinion, Kenny. Look, I co-signed that. I, th- I just think that uh, Bob Arum is doing what Bob Arum knows to do, and that's to really grow his uh, – or do his, the best that he can to try to grow his homegrown talent. You know, he's had Nico Ali Walsh as a beginning, so he's going to put him on, on, on his Lomachenko card and his biggest fight cards all around. It makes sense from uh, his point of view. What is his name? I, I just, for Bob Arum, I just said it. It makes sense from his point of view, but it doesn't really make sense uh, uh, from a Xander Sias point of view or a fan's point of view because the guy is obviously much more developed and much better and much further uh, development status than uh, Nico Ali Walsh's. But moving forward and continuing with the night, we had uh, Jared Anderson. And, uh, yeah, he came out looking like a pimp. You know, it was, it was pretty dope. I knew he was going to come out with that from beforehand, though, because I saw it on a YouTube video. He was showing what he was going to come out. But it looked pretty dope, creative, original, you know. And as I read somebody say on Twitter, I don't know who it was, uh, he didn't do the typical come out with a Mexican hat or Mexican colors, ETC, ETC. But uh, he did what he had to do. It was exciting fight. He did what he had to do. It was very much expected what he did. Uh, am I wrong? My no, 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 you're not wrong. And, you know, unlike... The, the opponent that Ali Walsh faced, you know, I'm not saying that the Ukrainian guy that he fought was like a world beater by any means, but he had a pretty solid record and a pretty solid resume, especially for this level of his development, him being Jared, uh, the real big baby Anderson. You know, his opponent did not have a record just built upon guys with upside down losses. Like the guy that Ali Walsh fought, uh, all due respect to him, Reyes Sanchez, I mean, he was undefeated going in there, but he was undefeated against guys with upside-down records for the most part. He had his pro debut against a guy that was 0-11. and 11. Dude that, that Jared Big Baby Anderson fought uh, was solid, especially for this point of his career, which is prospect level. You know, and they were talking about prospects of the year. I really think that you got to put Jared Big Baby Anderson into that discussion of prospect of the year, along with... Uh, Xander Zayas, who's continuing on with his uh, development. He got the KO win, um, you know, on to the next. Where he goes from here, not too sure. 
Um, I was on the Undefeated podcast earlier. Actually, it wasn't on, and I was watching it. And they were mentioning, you know, whether or not uh, Daniel Dubois might want that smoke. Um, that would actually be a fight that I'd love to see. Daniel Dubois against Big Baby Anderson. Not too sure Frank Warren would want to put Dubois into the mix like that. I'm not too sure whether Top Rank would want to put Anderson into the mix like that. But look, I think that that's like a beautiful boxing after dark level fight that I would definitely want to want to watch if it ever did happen. Bro, I won thousand percent agree with you but look i'm more on the side of jared anderson i i don't think that frank warren wants to put uh dubious in there with with, with with jared anderson jared anderson looking like a real killer dubious was looking like a killer before notice i'm not saying dubois or dynamite uh he was looking like a killer before until he showed uh in what my opinion is an extreme uh level of softness you know because he quit there's nothing to say but that he quit. He didn't get knocked out. You know, it was bad injury. I get it. Very, very bad injury. Terrible injury. But at the end of the day, he quit. And I don't know anything about quitting. Uh, so, yeah, Jared Anderson. And, and also, Jared Anderson, he has that attitude, that persona, that killer. He He's looking to be up there. He's looking for the limelight. He's looking for the big fights, the limelight fights. And I think that he has a very bright uh, career ahead of him. And I would love to see that fight against Dubious. All right, let me, let me stop disrespecting him. Uh, D-Star says, Big Baby Miller versus Big Baby Anderson. Loser must drop the nickname. (laughs) (laughs) That's dope. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'd favor Big Baby Anderson in that fight um, right now. Um, I spoke to Dimitri Salida at the Garden two weekends ago, and he um, said that Big Baby Miller's making a comeback and expect to see him in 2012. But I've also spoken to people who... Sorry, 22. Sorry, 2012. 22. But I've also spoken to people who know him and who are close to him who've told me that he's really up there in weight, uh, like really up there in weight. So who knows if that might happen or not. Uh, but, yeah, on to the main event. We saw Richard Comey uh, out of the Bronx by way of Ghana. Uh, he arrived to the ring um, with some gospel music accompanied by Andre Rozier, and he put on a um, – I would say respectable performance, but I don't really think anyone thought that he was going to win this fight. And it was essentially the Lomachenko show. And uh, Lomachenko did his thing, using angles, changing levels, uh, great in and out movement, spinning his opponent, combination punching, dropped him in the seventh, and uh, went on to secure secure a dominating one-sided performance. You know, um, I, I... I don't know whether it was what people who really are backing Loma wanted it to be because the whole thing was, well, uh, he wanted to destroy Nakatani uh, in a way that Teofimo Lopez couldn't. He wanted to destroy Comey in a way that Teofimo Lopez couldn't because at the time, I guess, the trajectory was trying to get a rematch with Lopez, but Lopez obviously lost two weekends ago at the, uh, shouldn't say the Garden, but the Hulu Theater at the in the basement of the garden uh, against George Gambosis Jr. Don't really know if that's on the cards anymore because, you know, uh, Teofimo's been talking about having to move up in weight. But where does he go from here? Uh, and what were your thoughts of the performance, Kenny? Lomachenko did what he was supposed to do. Uh, 
what he was supposed to do uh, with the Lomachenko style. You know what I'm saying? But he didn't do what the fans thought that he was supposed to do at all. You know, everybody expected and wanted to see a knockout, including myself. I don't think that that makes his uh, victory look any less good. I think it was a great victory. You know, uh, I think that styles make fights. And and the Teofimo style was a bad matchup for Comey. Uh, Teofimo has a lot more power than, than Lomachenko. And Teofimo caught him with that one punch and put him down. And he couldn't recover from that one punch. Uh it didn't go for 12 rounds. It is what it is. That's completely fine. I think Lomachenko completely outclassed him in the time that they were out there in the ring. He knocked them down, like D said, in the seventh. I think he should have finished them off in the seventh. But it is what it is. He went to defeat him on 12 rounds. It leaves questions about uh, Teofimo Lopez and whether is he that good, right? Or is Lomachenko worse? Or like I said, do styles make fights, right? I give all the props that need to be given to Lomachenko and I still, and I would love to see him against some of the other top fighters in the division. I never thought that Lomachenko's time was up or that he wasn't good anymore after he took the Teofimo Lopez loss. A lot of people felt that way, you know, but the boxing world consists of bandwagon ass people that just go with whatever's cool at the moment, you know? So yeah, Lomachenko got a great future ahead of him. He ain't going anywhere. I think that uh, he's definitely going to get a title shot. Cambosis is talking about he would love to fight him. Uh, Haney's talking about he would love to fight him. I see him having a belt very soon in the future. And also big props to Comey. It's not like the guy's a bad fighter. He went in there and he lasted the 12 rounds with Lomachenko. There was no no Nomachenko this past weekend at Madison Square Garden. That didn't happen. Uh, He was trying to force it to happen by kind of trying to get his the guy out of there and and also trying to get his corner to stop the fight. you know, which I remember he points to do. Yeah, because they know he's a he's a durable challenger. And look, you raise a good point, Kenny. You know, when you look at the uh, Lopez win over Lomachenko, people that again really back Lomachenko said right after that win, actually by Teofimo against uh, Lomachenko, that he went in there with an injury. It wasn't the best Lomachenko. You know, so, I mean, do you look at that any differently? This isn't just a question for you, but for generally everybody. That win by um, uh, uh, Teofimo Lopez over uh, uh, over Lomachenko, do you look at that win any differently now that Teo's lost to Gambosis and, you know, Lomachenko's look pretty good against both now Nakatani and Comey? Kenny. I think that I feel the same way that Vasil Lomachenko feels. And what I pretty much interpreted from his message is fucking injury, fucking excuse. Nobody cares about that. Nobody cares that my shoulder was injured when I was injured. Nobody cares that you have air in between your chest. Get back into fighting shape. Come back to fighting. We have to fight at 135. We're going to fight. Look, I feel that same exact way. Uh, Injuries are serious. Injuries are real. I understand that Teofimo Lopez was trying to protect his reputation by not backing out of the fight last minute and saying that he had an injury because the fight had already been postponed so many times. But at the end of the day, I would have protected my career. I, I'm a, I'm the type of person that I don't give a damn what people have to say about me. You know, I keep it real and I keep honest to myself. I keep honest to what I believe in. And that's what Teofimo Lopez should have done. Forget what people are saying about you. You know what you can do. You know you're a champion. You know you have most of the belts. You know you hold the weight in that division. Don't put yourself in the fire. But 
yeah, I do feel like Lomachenko. Nobody cared when Lomachenko was injured. It is what it is. The fight has to happen again with none of these guys injured, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, I don't discredit. I don't take anything from any of them from their for for their wins or losses. Well, for the losses, yes, but not for 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 the wins. You know what I'm saying it is what it is. You were injured, but you didn't call it. You took a loss. Too a damn win bad. is a win. A loss is a loss. They went into the they went into the to the to the match because they thought they could win. Uh, that's both Lomachenko against Lopez and Lopez against Gambosis, and it didn't work out for them. But to Loma's credit, he has been trying to get back to the top by fighting the best available opposition, and uh, he's been doing that. Let me give it up to Nando real quick. Nando, big supporter. Shout out to Nando. Boxing media and hipsters trying to put Loma back up on his untouchable pedestal. Losses to Teo and Toledo shouldn't just be swept under the rug. And uh, look, I agree with that. He does have two losses. It's like he loses to Teofimo, boom, uh, he's dropped. Now he wins back-to-back against Nakatani and now Comey, and people want to shoot him right back to the top again. Don't really know if that's how it works. But then again, as people know, to me, pound for pound is honey, I shrunk the kids. And it's not necessarily something I really believe in unless we're talking about accomplishments. And right now, he does not have a title at 135. Right now, he he is not uh, he did not fight in a kind of championship fight Saturday, which is probably why the garden um the upper deck was sealed off and it wasn't, you know, the mega event that it was when we saw him take on uh Linares uh in a fight that really packed the garden uh to the hill. Now, uh thanks again for the super chat Nando. Um Reese Mack, great point. Maybe Teofimo shouldn't be allowing one of the strongest men in the world to punch him in the chest. It was Joe Habib. Shout out to Joe Habib who brought that to my attention. So the question, uh, go ahead, Kenny. B- b- before you proceed forward, I have to add to the point that you said. I don't think that the Salido loss and the Teofimo loss necessarily take away too much from Lomachenko. Just like I don't think the Cambosis loss takes any too much away from Teofimo Lopez. These guys are still great fighters that have had great accomplishments. We need to stop this the O cannot go type of mentality. Who gives a fuck if a fighter loses? Uh, like Jojo Diaz says, I don't care about the O's. I want to fight the best fighters out there, period, and test myself against, against the best. That's what boxing should be about. That's what I think boxing is about and real boxers are about. I don't think that them having lost. I mean, I think the Salido loss, that does tarnish Lomachenko a little bit. But I don't think the Teofimo loss really tarnishes him a little bit. Teofimo's a great fighter. I understand if he would have lost against a garbage opponent, but that was not no, the case. That, I mean, nobody's – the thing is, it's like a dual conversation having happening at the same time because – what I was speaking to were the people who want to say that he's the best in the world, the best fighter pound for pound. Well, we don't know that he's got to clean out the division at 135. He hasn't done that yet. And I'm going to bring it back, you know, a little bit old school for everybody. Some of you may remember this to others who don't check it out. Who next tomorrow? I'm done. I'm ready tomorrow. I'm the best heavyweight champion in the world. I'm half WPC with me. I'm undefeated champion. Undisputed champion. I want who next? I want who next? Undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Who next? <laughs> I didn't understand the answer. <laughs> that was uh, Samuel Peter asking who next. Um, 
He look, look, I want to, I want to ask that question as it relates to 135. The fight I want to see is the undisputed, undisputed championship of the world, and I want to see that contested between George Gambosis Jr. and Devin Haney. That's the fight that I want to see. I don't see why that fight shouldn't be allowed to happen. Um, the news came out that the WBO has now mandated that um, or put put Lomachenko into a mandatory slot. I don't know if that can be maneuvered or swerved or whether that he, he can. I, I believe that a unification fight, if this is considered that, and it should be with the WBO because they don't recognize the franchise championship, uh, whether or not he can just go and, and handle business with Haney. And, you know, if Lomachenko is still around, which I'm sure he will be, he can fight the winner of that fight. Um, and if if Devin Haney wins that fight and moves up, which is, I think, what he would do if he won, because he says he can't make 135 anymore, then I think that what, he, what, what Lomachenko should just do is fight for one of the vacated belts and start picking up the pieces again. But the fight that I think needs to happen next or should happen next is Haney, taking on Gambosis for the undisputed lightweight championship of the world. Kenny. I wholeheartedly agree with you. That's the only match that should be happening at 135. And if anything, uh, Tio and Loma should face each other again for who has the shot at fighting the, the winner of that fight. You know, that's, that's how I think. That's what I see. Besides that, I, like you said, I don't want to see anything else. And no. Devin Haney will most likely move to 140. So will Teofimo. I don't think Teofimo is ever going to fight at 135 again unless he takes these, uh, uh, unless he really cares about the general public's ivy, which it seemed like he did care by not backing out of this fight if he did have that medical condition. If he really does care about the public's ivy point of view, then he's going to uh, stay at 135 and take one more fight. But we'll see. It's looking like he's going to move up to 140, according to him and his pops. Yeah, I mean, people are already quick to say, well, Lomachenko's better than Gambosis. How do we know that? Lomachenko lost to Teofimo. I don't like triangle theory, but he did lose to the guy that just lost to Gambosis. Until further notice to me, Gambosis is the man at 135. I've honestly got Devin Haney right behind him at number two. Um, and, you know, I'm not really willing to just say, oh, yeah, a guy who has not fought for a title recently in his last two fights is automatically the best fighter in the division and should be calling the shots. Let's let things play out. Let's see Gambosis take on Haney. I think that that would be a really good fight. And you know what? On the other side, you know, where it's, it's more about the celebrity status and the most popular guys taking each other on, Maybe we'll get a, a fight between Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia, right? But on the championship side, let's let Haney and, and, and Gambosis duke it out. And there should be no problem with Lomachenko waiting his turn. You know, he just lost to, uh, to Teofimo a couple fights ago. Yes, he's building his way back up. But in my eyes, I want to see Haney, Gambosis. That's the fight I want to see next. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I don't know if it'll happen. I don't know. Uh, Devin Haney looks like he's trying to uh, have maybe one more fight at 135 and move up. And if that's not the Cambosis fight, then I don't know if that uh, unification fight will happen, unfortunately. Very unfortunately. 
Cambosis. I do see Cambosis and Lomachenko uh, on a collision course for the future, though. 100%. I see that fight happening because Cambosis, that man, not like through his trash talk, he got me believing that he's actually not afraid to fight anybody and that he will go to people's homes and, and fight them there and everything. Although he's looking to have a big fight in Australia, which makes sense. Big money. He could, he's a big name out there. Yeah, and it's interesting that people are still, you know, debating the fight between Salido and Lomachenko. That was ancient history, at least to me. I mean, it doesn't really, uh, it's not really relevant right now, at, at least part of this discussion. Uh, Salido got the win. He used Ruftow's tactics, no doubt, but it was a legitimate loss. No one's discrediting Lomachenko's skills. You know, he took that fight on early in his career. Right now, though, where we are is we've got, Two guys with claims to the lightweight world championship. I think those guys should fight, you know, and that's that that that's what I want to see happen. Now, before we leave the topic of the lightweights for now, Kenny, and head on to some of the other action that took place over the weekend and stuff that's coming uh, in the weekend ahead. I want to get your thoughts on this article that dropped on boxing scene where the WBC president says that the franchise. Franchise designation, this is courtesy of boxing scene, by the way, has given lightweight unbelievable activity. He's talking about the lightweight division. Uh, This is by Jake Donovan. He says, Mauricio Suleiman is pleased with the number of top-level fights that continue to come out of the lightweight division. Not quite as entertaining to the longtime WC president are the inquiries demanding he clear up the mess his sanctioning body has created at the championship level. Earlier this month in Las Vegas, saw three claimants of the WBC lightweight throne, all under one roof. WCB lightweight titleist Devin Haney, interim titleist Jojo Diaz, and franchise champion George Gambosis, the latter, who also serves as lineal WBA super IBF and WO champ. Um, the fact is, people can read this, uh, but, you know, he's essentially making the claim that this franchise title, Kenny, has been a good thing because it's led to all of these fights that have taken place recently taking place. What are your thoughts, initial reaction to seeing that? I think that's trash, man. Uh, look, I didn't like this guy the first time I heard him speak. I didn't like him the second time I, that dudes were trying to interview him. And when they, when they would ask him about the franchise belt and his, and his designation and why he came up with it and all that, he would just push them off and, and tell them that, uh, he was not answering questions about that, that if they had questions about anything else, that he would speak to them. But if it was questions about that, he'd just walk away. I don't like the guy. This article's trash. He's not speaking to a person who is very into boxing, who watches almost all matches, who does his research on boxing, who's on all these websites. He's not speaking to that fan. He's speaking to the casual fan, the person who tunes in to watch a Javante Davis fight or to watch the Logan brothers or to watch whoever on the main card or a big pay-per-view. That's who he is. I don't respect this guy. I don't like what he's talking about. It all sounds like trash nonsense from a millionaire dude trying to make more money and trying to promote to the the like i said the the casual fan oh the, see you're getting all these fights because i put this belt because i made this designation that's why you're getting all these fights when the truth is bro we're getting all these fights because they want to have one dude in that division that is the guy and they're all willing to battle each well most of them are willing to battle each other currently uh not ryan garcia but you know most of the rest of the guys i would love to see him get back in the mix though uh just because he's said you know his mental health issues which i i've said before and i'll say it again i respect 
does not mean that the guy is not skilled and I would love to see him in there in the ring again soon ASAP against these guys that we're speaking of right now. Shout out to Calix Boxing. Make sure you subscribe to Calix Boxing 2.0 and check out Power Punches, which is going to happen right after this show, live on his channel uh, with D-Style Boxing. All right. He says hit the like button. Yes, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Also, check the description box because you've got links there to Pro Smoke by Maestro, ah, my other channel, and um, also Kenny T's channel. Knocked out by Kenny. All right. We're going to be bringing you more content. Okay. Not just here, not just across the HCP community, but also even beyond that. So, my response to this is look, this whole mess was created by the WBC. They had an interim champion uh, awarded a email title, it's been called, but it was the WBC Lightweight Championship. They allowed. Lomachenko to vacate uh, his title, collect a franchise title, and then take on uh, Teofimo Lopez. All they had to do was essentially allow a unification fight over a mandatory defense and then mandate that the winner of that fight fight Devin Haney. But they didn't want to do that. So I don't really buy the argument that this has led to more fights. What I do think is that it's led to a lot of confusion. Um, and hopefully we get to a point, like I said before, where this confusion gets settled in the ring between George Gambosis Jr. and Devin Haney, and then we can move on and, um, you know, have one lightweight titleist who can defend his belts, and at least with Gambosis, you're talking about a guy who's staying at 135. Uh, should Haney win, that would be great for him. It would be great um you know, for what he's doing. And then I'm sure that he'll move up to 140. So speaking of things that take place above 135 pounds, afternoon on the zone on Saturday, we saw Chris Algieri go to Liverpool and take on Connor Ben um, and get knocked out. I would even say brutally knocked out. It was really bad. Connor Ben actually held back uh, from showing, throwing an additional shot at the end, which I thought was very good sportsmanship on his part. So Connor Ben has been doing very well at the level that he's at. I'm hearing them calling out Adrian Broner. I mean, I get that fight. Adrian Broner has a name. Money. He's not a player in the welterweight division right now, uh, I don't think. I don't think he called him out, though. Eddie Hearn threw him on his boat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his promotional his promotional um, uh, team, Eddie Hearn, Matchroom. Uh, I can see why they want that fight. De- Popularity. Uh, yeah, he's popular. You know, he's infamous or famous, depending on which way you look at it. He's got a name. Uh, he's got a lot of notoriety here in the United States. It's a second a U.S. opponent that has a name after Algeria that Conor Ben would be able to take on. At this stage, I think that that's a very winnable fight for Conor Ben. But I also think that Conor Ben has unfinished business in England and in Europe, and that's with the European champion David Avenisian. I think that that's a much more competitive fight than the fight that with, with Adrian Broner, especially at this stage. Uh, I, I'd love to see David Avenisian against Conor Ben personally, 
Uh, but I totally understand if they go with the business decision and they can lure Adrian Broner into that fight. Kenny, any thoughts? Adrian Broner would definitely take that fight. He'd probably get knocked out. Uh, not that I'm giving so much props to Conor Ben, ben but he is a heavy hitter. He is uh, stable and sound. He's, you know, powerful. Like, he's not – he doesn't have skinny legs and a big upper body and vice versa. He's He's very proportionate, which means – his power is coming from all over his body. He's not from one part. Uh, and that, to me, is very respectable. That, to me, means a lot. Could take a fighter a long way. And I think that kind of been, uh, if he continues climbing up the ladder, I think he'll be okay and he'll be a competitor eventually. It's not uh, Adrian Brown is not a fight that I like to see. But the other names he called out, like Amir Khan or Kel Brook, he said potentially the winner of that fight. And then he named, like, another BC-level fighter, uh, which I can't remember the name off the top of my head right now. But I'd like to see him against Amir Khan or Kel Brook or any of the guys that level. I think he's doing the right thing, by the way, uh, going up the ranks and not just jumping all the way to the top and talking about, oh, Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence, let's fight, you know, because we saw. That, but he's also not calling out Virgil Ortiz. He's also not calling out Boots Innes. He's also not calling out, like, fellow prospects in their prime or approaching it. All of the names I'm hearing him, you know, being more names against are names who, let's be honest, have seen their better days behind them, you know? Um, Definitely. I just, I just think he's saving it for – I think he's trying to become popular now. He's trying – that's why he's looking for Adrian Brown, Amir Khan, Kel Brook, people with names, TV names, people people that are already known. That's why he's looking for those names. Uh, but will he be a duck in the future, which is, I guess, what we're, what we're leaning towards? Like, will, will he not fight these fights if he does get popular? I don't know. I hope he does. He seems to have the good shit talking game and he seems to have a lot of heart. So I hope he doesn't become a duck in the future. I hope that he, you know, continues building and builds his popularity and does whatever he has to do for his own bank and eventually take these big fights and doesn't hit us with the Mayweather game plan. Yeah. Um, the money Mayweather game plan. Yeah. Yeah. Money Mayweather game plan. Um, because Floyd, up, you know, at this point in his career was already a world champion in terms of his age and was fighting on really top tier guys that uh, I can't yet say that I've seen Connor Ben take on. Um, I thought that the Formella performance was impressive because, you know, he did something that not even Sean Porter could really do. I mean, he was much more impressive, I think uh, against Formella than Porter was. And believe it or not, for a while, I thought that the Porter fight would be a really good fight. Cause at least Porter is a little bit, I think he's higher tier at this stage than like an Amir Khan. Kel Brook, I don't really know because, you know, Sean Porter gets a lot of credit um, for the things he's done. But what people also don't mention about Sean Porter is that he did lose to Kel Brook. And I've always found it interesting that people, the same person that trashes Kel Brook is the same person that praises Sean Porter. And it's a guy that Kel Brook, Kel Brook beat. Um, you know, Kel Brook lost to Terrence Crawford. Stopped by him. Sean Porter got stopped by Terrence Crawford. So, you know, I. anyways, I, all I'm saying is that that, that would have been a good fight at a certain point. I don't really see Sean Porter continuing on. Um, but I guess the, the winner of Khan versus uh, Kell Brook yeah. would be an interesting fight. Um, yeah. But, the, again, the fight I want to see at the level that Conor Ben's at right now to get to the next stage is David Avenesian, the UK-based European champion, 
in the welterweight division. Two questions that that leaves me for you, which yeah. is the only two reasons as to why I could think that he would not take that fight. But the two questions being, is there a lot of money involved? And is the guy a really big challenge? Because I don't know anything about this guy. So, I, I you know, I, I'm a research-based I mean, guy. The zone knows everything there is to know about Avenition because he beat up uh, their other uh, welterweight uh, prospect, uh, Josh Kelly, um, you know, um, really badly, actually. And he's been featured a lot in, in the U.S. This is a guy who has a win over Shane Mosley many, many years ago uh, when he was coming up. Um, he's a tough guy, European champion. He's an Armenian Russian based out of England. Uh, he's tough as nails, man, and he's a really good fighter. You know, I, I think that that's a great matchup for Conor. Then I, it, I, I'm not popular, and does no, he demand a lot of money? No, he's dead. This is the other thing. But here's the thing: Conor Ben's already popular, right? Conor Ben's already a ticket seller. Conor Ben just just at a huge night in Liverpool. He's not even from Liverpool, and he filled out that that arena in Liverpool. So Conor Ben nece- doesn't necessarily need, you know, a big name, I don't think, to do box office numbers in the U.K. What he does need a big name for, and maybe this is to your point, Kenny, is to kind of create a buzz for him here in the United States, where, which is where he's not exactly as well-known, obviously, as he is in uh, the United Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't, uh, I think that they're trying to build this guy before putting him against somebody where he could potentially get a loss. I think that that's what they're doing because he's definitely at the level where he needs to level up and face more difficult opposition. Uh, he's shown that he has skill, that he has power, you know, he's just at the level where he needs to go up in opposition. And if he doesn't, it's because they're trying to make him popular. That's the only reason I could see because, uh, I, you know, I don't think Conor Ben is as popular as we're making him seem. Maybe overseas he's as popular as as as, as you're saying he is, but not in the U.S. I, you know, uh, I've never heard anybody talking about Conor Ben besides us serious boxing fans over here. So, you know, it is what it is. If you ask me, the guy is great. He's uh, physically built well, and that's that's all that he's gonna be. That's uh. At least for the moment, so they finish building him and building his, uh, his popularity. I don't see his team putting him into the fire, but he is at welterweight. I don't. Sean Porter's not coming anywhere. Uh, Sean Porter's retired. I don't even want to speak about Sean Porter because he's retired. Uh, at welterweight, I don't see him having. Uh, uh, I don't see them putting or him asking for that fight or the maybe even entertaining the offer if he was to say that he wants to fight Terence Crawford and Errol Spence. Uh, those guys need to fight each other. And that joke needs to stop already with uh, them individuals. Yeah, Conor Ben, it is what it is. I don't see him. Who would I put him up against? I'll let you know right now. Let's see. Looking up the welterweight away fighter, so I could let you know who I would put him up against. I don't know the fighters off the top of my head. Fighters in the welterweight division, right, Kenny? Yeah, not not the popular ones. So the the guys that are ranked in the same vicinity as uh, Conor Ben, because I don't want to see him against any of the top guys. Or at least I don't think any of the top guys would entertain that at the moment. Uh, Yeah, so a couple of them that I did see in the chat that I'm seeing right now is like Jaren Ennis, 
I don't see them putting Jan- I don't see Jaron Ennis entertaining that or him entertaining that because I don't think either of these guys are guys that are trying to lose to uh, equal level opp- opposition. If they lose uh, or they risk something, I think that they want to uh, risk something against uh, you know the likes of Arrow Spence, Ugas, or Terrence Crawford, somebody that has a belt or someone of higher. Yeah, category. I mean, I could throw out a name like Stanny Onis, who I think would be a great fight for him. He's highly ranked, but the question is, if you go back to what you were saying, Kenny. Is he popular? Does he have a big name? Is he somebody that they'd be looking at in that regard? And probably not. You know, there's fights for him for sure at welterweight. The question is, where do they go? Because a lot of those fights are difficult fights, right? And if you're gonna if you're gonna get out there, I mean, it is prize fighting. They are gonna put him in against someone who does good business, which is why I think we're hearing the names like Broner, like Khan, like. Brooke, these are people that are well-known in the UK and are also well-known here in the US and honestly are lower-level threats for him than guys like Stanny Onis, Virgil Ortiz, Boots Innes, and dare I say David Avenition, uh, all of whom are much higher risk, much lower reward. Is Virgil Ortiz that big of a challenger? Is Virgil Ortiz a big threat that would defeat him or... uh, Put it like this. Let's compare him and Virgil Ortiz. Do you think uh, Virgil Ortiz is similar level, better than him, worse than him? Who do you think, you know, because from what I saw in Virgil Ortiz's last fight, I I wasn't really impressed. Uh, He was getting hit with a lot of punches, and he usually does get hit with a lot of punches. And Conor Ben seems, seems to have a lot of power. And I think that that's a bad mix, a guy that gets hit a lot versus a guy that has a lot of power to hit with. I mean, look. Do I think that Conor Ben would do well against Maurice Hooker? Yeah, he probably would. Um, I mean, Mauricio Herrera was a good name on on Virgil Ortiz's record as well. Uh, the Mean Machine Cavaliskis was his last fight. That's the fight you're referring to, I think, right, Kenny? Sorry, repeat that. I was laughing at the I mean, Mean Machine Cavaliskis is a good fighter. You know, you yeah. are going to get hit by him. I don't think he got hit, like, too much personally. He's an offensive fighter, so he is going to get hit. But I felt that he he didn't. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say that he got hit too much. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I think Virgil Ortiz is right now above Conor Ben, in my humble opinion. Uh, and and Boots Innes doesn't necessarily have the record. Um, you know, he doesn't necessarily have a lot of great names on his record. But Lipinitz was a good win and. You know, even his, his last fight against Delorme, the way he ended it was spectacular. Yeah, you know, but the, the, the Delorme... In the first round. Delorme, bro, uh, uh, he seems to be washed up. Uh, it's but, a uh, lower caliber guy than Algeria at this point? Probably. Probably. So? Yeah, because Delorme, uh, when I last looked him up, he hadn't really fought in such a long time. He had lost most of his last fights. Uh Delorme shouldn't have even been in the ring. I think that was just to get him out and not try to knock him out, opponent, because he hadn't been knocked out up to that point. Uh, but uh, but but the eye test, as we say many times, the eye test does tell me that Jaron Ennis is more skillful than both Virgil Ortiz and Conor Ben. I agree with that. If you're basing it on the eye test, absolutely. But there's one thing that Virgil Ortiz has that is a huge intangible in the sport, and that's cardiorespiratory endurance. 
that guy has cardio for days, uh, and he can hit too, and he's got a good chin. So uh, I, I, rate, I rate him very, very highly as well. He Who doesn't was, seem like he's trying to take risk either, though. Virgil Ortiz? No, yeah. he's been calling out the big names. At Mean Machine is a great win, I think. It is. Cavalicius is the same guy that, that gave Terrence Crawford a lot of good rounds, you know? So I, th- I think that that was a great win, personally. Um, but let us know in the chat what you guys think. I mean, where do you rank Conor Ben? Along the likes of uh, Boots Innes, along the likes of a Virgil Ortiz, how would you rank those three uh, prospects in the welterweight division slash contenders in the welterweight division um, because those are the guys that are creating, you know, the biggest buzz. And yes, um, Kadiali uh, Bodiang, I agree with you. He did drop Terrence Crawford. And, you know, I think we all saw that in, in the replays. That's a solid dude. And Virgil Ortiz got him up out of there. So Steve, Stephen Ochoa says, I just want Virgil uh, t- to tighten his defense up. He was uh, scaring me versus Mean Machine. He was getting clipped. Yeah, and, uh, Ted Ortengo says that uh, Virgil called out Crawford. He did absolutely call out call out Crawford. Um, you know, he's he signed the Golden Boy, so we'll see where he goes in in the welterweight division. I mean, most of the top welterweights are are signed with the PBC. You know, um, at least here in the United States, the the, I, the champions. I know we uh, um, usually don't speak much about. Um... I know we usually don't speak much about uh, uh, ladies boxing in this channel. We're trying to incorporate it much more often. Not in this channel, excuse me, on this mano a mano show. We're trying to incorporate much more often. Uh, ladies boxing is getting very, very hot. It's not something we don't have anything against it. Uh, just haven't really had the chance to fully Katie, dive into it. Katie, Katie Taylor fight? Exactly. That's what I was uh, leading into. Katie Taylor Sharap, uh, Sharapova. Mm-hmm. That was also a very great fight. Went all the way to the end. Lots of punches being thrown. Uh I think Katie Taylor definitely got that W because of her coach. I think she had great coach and not only her skill and her ability. So obviously both of these women are extremely skilled, have great ability, great cardio, um, and are powerful. But something Katie Taylor's corner told her uh, in between rounds was continue coming forward and throwing the one, two, right after one after the other, how you did before. Didn't you notice last round? Every single time you threw it, you landed it. It, she cannot block those punches. Keep those punches coming. The one-two, I think that was great coaching because that's exactly how she won. She wouldn't have won if it wasn't because of that. She kept on throwing the jab and then the, the right straight to follow. Or I don't know if it's the right straight. I'm, I'm acting like it was me fighting with my hands. Uh, I don't remember what hand she fights with. But she kept on throwing uh, the one-two, one-two. And Sharapova was not able to block it. She was not able to move ahead in the way. And those are the only punches that were really, really landing because after the, after the first one-two, there will be a whole lot of grabbing and huddling each other and – yeah, shout-outs to Katie Taylor, who did a great job, and to her team. Uh, and shout-outs to Sharapova. It was a 12-round fight where they were busting each other up the entire the entire way there. Yeah, 100%. And look, Katie Taylor is usually going to win these kind of slugfest type of rough fights because she's extremely tough. She throws punches in abundance on the inside, and she's – mastered the two-minute round of women's boxing. She gets right at it. Two-minute rounds, you don't have time to, like, feel out your opponent and, you know, download data. You know, you just got to go right in there and start throwing bombs. You know, it's, it's 
yes, it's it's not quite amateur boxing, but it's very different than the pacing of a men's fight. And she's mastered that. Uh, she'll win rounds because she outworks her opponents, and she's got great skill, too. She's not sloppy with her punches. She throws them straight. She throws them sharp. She works the body tremendously, which is another aspect uh, that will always help her as she gets into these close fights against tough opponents. She she works the body. She throws clean punches. That's what the judges see, you know, and that's what's going to win her the day. Now, the, the big fight that they're announcing or that they're, they mentioned at the, in the telecast uh, was her taking on Amanda Serrano, possibly here in New York City, at the Garden, possibly at St. Patrick's Day. So I hope that that happens. We're being joined right now by El Capitan, D-style boxing, the quarterback of the greatest network in the YTBCHCP. What's going on, bro? Well, first of all, what's going on, everybody? D-style boxing right here. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm ready. I'm pumped. You know what I mean? We're going to have a power hour after Mano a Mano on uh, Calix Boxing, Power Punchers, on being unleashed here on Monday night. This is, of course, HCP prime time on Monday night. It's just the beginning, you know what I mean? But uh, I'm pumped. I'm definitely pumped. Absolutely. So why don't I ask you a question that I asked the chat? Uh, we were talking to welterweights. I think I know how you're going to rank them, but I'd still like to hear it. Boots Innes, Connor Ben, Virgil Ortiz. That was alphabetical order, by the way. So, 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 so number three, I'll say Connor Ben. Two, Boots, one, Virgil Ortiz. He's the most tested. He's been the best opposition. And to me, I, I know he gets a lot of criticism, but he has, in fact, passed every test with flying colors. I mean, you know, he didn't get knocked down by me machine like Crawford did. Just saying. No, he did not. I, I'm very impressed. I've always have been by him. Um, also, by the way, his dad uh has has helped his career kind of taking a back seat letting you know experts onto the team to handle their duties as chief second you know i i think virgil ortiz has always improved as well bit by bit uh in his fights you know and let's be honest and here's what i am going to say about boots in as much as i like him if you look at the, his development a lot of his wins are against guys with upside down records they actually are. That's not the case with Virgil Ortiz. Or coming off losses. Yeah. Or or, or coming off losses, exactly. Uh, so, you know, he, I think I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. I test-wise, Kenny, I think that he's – Boots is like spectacular talent, obviously. I test-wise, um, yeah. But, but in terms of accomplishment so far, if I'm ranking accomplishment, it's Virgil Ortiz – it's Boots Innes, and then it's Connor Ben. And like I said, I want to see Connor Ben take on a guy like David Avenition more, just from a boxing fan's point, more than I want to see him in against, you know, a guy like Amir Khan or Adrian Broner. Um, now, if Brook looks good against Khan, and by the way, I think he will, then I wouldn't mind seeing Kell Brook because I'm not one of these guys that just dismisses Kell Brook, like, you look at his record, who has he lost to? Triple G, Terrence Crawford, and Errol Spence Jr. Those aren't three bad names at all. 
He's a lot beating, of guys don't come out with a win. By no, most of guys. no, and he has a win over Sean Porter. And yes, that was a convincing win over Porter. And it wasn't in the UK with UK judging. It was right here in the United States. No excuses. So I'm a big fan of, of what he's done in his career. I, I felt it was, you know, it was a money grab, I think, going up to fight Triple G. But he got very well paid for it, but he also got his orbital bone broke. Um, but should he look good against Amir Khan? And like I said, I think he will. I think that, that I, I would I would I would definitely co-sign that matchup for Connor Ben. But like I said, I'd prefer to see him right now against David Avenition. What would you like to see next for Connor Ben, uh, D Style? I do like the winner of Khan Cal Brook. Um I don't like Adrian Broner. Right, like I, I don't, I think. Can we stop? Like, is Broner going to turn into the Brooklyn Brawler of the welterweight division, or what? Like, is that is that what it's becoming? Like, or what? Because that that's where he's going. Like, they're going to turn him into the jobber of, of like boxing, and and I just think at this point, I, I don't think they should pursue that fight. I find it strange that he wants that after the Brook uh, American winner, which is kind of crazy. You would think the winner of that fight's a bigger challenge, in my opinion, but. Um, but yeah, I, I think the winner of that fight, it, it is a regional fight. It'll be a big fight. And, and I think we will see like if, if, against a Cal Brook, even in American, it will tell us a lot about Connor Ben, you know, for what it's worth. Cause I don't think he's getting any of them out there in the first round. I just don't. I no. agree. I mean, maybe Amir Khan. We don't know. This is this is this is boxing at the end of the day. And we know Amir Khan does not really have a strong chin and, any lucky strong punch to get through and land, and that that could be over. But uh, yes, you're right. It's very, it is very far fetched. Very far fetched. I'm going to defend Amir Khan just a little bit. Uh, he got knocked out badly by Garcia. He did. He was well overmatched and undersized against Canelo and got destroyed. Yes, but I'll be Prescott. honest. Oh yeah, Bradis Prescott. That was early on in his career. Julio knocked him down. Like some lightweights knocked him down. Like I, yeah. I'm just saying. But other, other than Prescott, Canelo, and and um, what's the other guy I mentioned? Danny Garcia. Like he did. He did show a lot of grit against a lot of his other opponents. Maidana, right? Yeah. One hundred percent. You know, he she showed grit in that fight. Um, people say, "Oh, my so but he quit against Aaron Crawford." Uh. I don't know. I mean, was he hit in the nuts? He says he was. I mean, anyone who's been hit in the nuts knows how much that hurts. I see he's still quit. His head. He still quit. It didn't look like he got hit in the nuts. It looked like he got hit uh, maybe right above the, the area, which is still painful, but he still quit. I, 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 I don't respect quitters, bro. I don't respect not, quitters. Wasn't Zab Judah, too, that got hit in the nuts similarly and couldn't continue in the fight? He didn't quit. He just didn't want to continue. You know, yeah. like... Anyhow, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, uh, and Lennox says if Khan had a good chin, he'd probably be a, a living legend. I mean, his hand speed is ridiculous. Or at he least throws ugly combos, though. Be. Huh? Doesn't he throw ugly-ass combos, though? His his combos aren't in any specific sequence. He'd just Damn. be out there talking about, ah. Literally, <laughs> like, like. I, don't know, I, don't, I, I, I mean, I've, I've seen him try to do that when he gets guys hurt, but I also... You know, I, I look, Amir Khan is one of the guys in the sport, believe it or not, who I think 
gets a little bit too much criticism for what he's accomplished. Um, he was a 17-year-old that won an Olympic a, a silver medal. Um, he was obviously given a serious uh, promotional push when he turned pro in the UK. Uh, he does lose points for not taking on Prescott in a rematch. I think he should have tried to avenge that loss. But if you look at the total of his career, I do think he's he's done pretty well. Um, and he also was at the short end of a performance that I thought he did pretty well in, which was against Peterson. I don't know if you remember that fight. But look, in the grand scheme of things, I think he's had a pretty decent career. Uh, just my opinion. But let's move on to a guy who's had an amazing career, uh, should be headed to the Hall of Fame. Has had an amazing resurgence at 118 pounds since moving back down to the division. He gave, in a way, his best performance ever. And since then, it's been spectacular stuff. I'm talking about Nonito Donaire, uh, 39 years old, and is just putting it all together. I was telling Joe Habib over the phone on Sunday that it's like a master martial artist, just like picking the spot against uh, a younger up-and-coming kid, as he did uh, on, on Saturday, and just not throwing more than he has to landing the shot perfectly where it needs to be landed and calling it a night's work and getting up out of there. He's, to me, at the age of 39, meshed experience with skill in a, in a way that usually doesn't happen this this later on. But in his in his career, it's just happened at, at this time, you know. Uh, he's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of skill. And he hasn't lost that much uh, on his timing and on his speed. As you can see, when he targets that hook, uh, which he's iced people with both to the head and to the body throughout his career, I was impressed by what I saw by Nonito on on Saturday night. Dista, what about you? Well, I mean, the Filipino flash, man, um, that, that nickname still applies, but he's not quite the flash he used to be. But I think he's a better fighter today than he was in his physical prime. Like, I, I believe, like, this Donaire would pull off a victory over the younger Donaire. You know what I mean? Like, I think he would, like, figure out a win. Uh, he's, he's more polished. He doesn't – I mean, he's very efficient in the ring. He's powerful at this weight class, and people want to. Oh, he's way—he's way bullying these style. Like, 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 let me tell you, say you, you can make the weight, okay? You can make the date. Like it's still with that. Those are the rules of boxing. You know what I mean? So, like, and he's not the only dude that rehydrates. You know, like all these dudes are rehydrating. All right, but I think he looks spectacular. Uh, it, it was not for nothing. It was what I expected. I did feel he would stop him another four rounds. I thought the guy was tailor-made for him. Um, not saying he wasn't a good opponent, but it happens to be the guy they put in front of him. But I felt like he was not going to uh, be able to do much to Donaire. And then Donaire has developed a really good right hand, which is the one thing he was missing early in his career. You know what I mean? He was so gifted when he was younger that he didn't need a right hand almost, you know, until he ran into certain guys where it's like, okay, your arsenal's limited, but he's developed it. He is the classical example of someone who would get better as a fighter, even if they're not in their physical prime, 
you know, and, and that's what he's done. And that's what he's showing us. And I will say, while I do favor monster, that it's not a gimme. It just isn't. Absolutely. And, um, Salute to everybody in the chat. And yes, as New Media Today USA Boxing says, hit that like button if you are new to the channel. What I'm going to say is this. A lot of his prime was spent fighting out of his weight class, where he was probably a lot slower, was definitely looking a lot softer, was not as cut up or as ripped. Um, You guys remember he went all the way up to 126, and he just – didn't have the snap anymore. He didn't have the kind of speed. And he's countering all of these, like, old adage or, or narratives in, in boxing of, you know, guys are old, especially in these lower weight classes at this age. Guys struggle when they go up in weight and come down again. Um, to me, he looks stronger, faster, sharper, more accurate at 118 pounds than he did at 122 or at 126 when he was younger. Um Kenny, I have to definitely agree with you. He also looks power, more powerful at this moment. Um, and he goes to the body a lot more, I feel, uh, now than he did before. Um, it's Look, I, I have to agree with you. I don't think, I, and I've said this before, just because I'm very big into uh, physical abilities, into working out, into health. Age has nothing to do with abilities. Age has nothing to do with physique. Age has nothing to do with a uh, guy getting better or worse or any of that. The only thing age has to, to do with people is a change of mentality, a laziness. People start eating whatever the fuck they want. Oh, I got to live life a little and all this other stuff. And people uh, leave the training behind and don't train as hard. People start making money and they get carried away. They get lost in the sauce, as my, uh, this great rapper Gucci Mane once said. Got lost in the sauce and start getting carried away and then, you know, Instead of being a, a boxer that, you know, is super healthy, has never drank, uh, has worked out and eaten healthy his whole life. Now you got dudes who have ingested tons of drugs and tons of alcoholic beverages uh, at the age of, of 30 plus and skills start going down because health starts going down. It's not because, oh, you get older, you suck all of a sudden. That is not the case. If you work out, you eat healthy, you take your vitamins, you stay on top of your cardio, your heart, and everything, you will not deteriorate in power. Yes, it'll be harder to maintain because the level of testosterone goes down in the body, but you will not lose your power. You will not lose your speed. You will not lose your ability if you just maintain the same discipline. But people have trouble maintaining that discipline after the age of 30. Well, it's funny you mentioned testosterone, Kenny, because that also goes down uh, the higher your body fat percentage goes up. Um, And like I said, he was looking not as lean, not as cut, uh, I thought he lost a lot in terms of, again, his, his – the, the, I mean, the guy that iced Archinian, that guy was not the same guy at 126 pounds. He just wasn't. Um, the guy that iced Montiel, he wasn't the same guy at 126 pounds. He just wasn't. He went up in weight chasing the bag. That's where the money was because let's face facts. Unless you're fighting out of Japan, especially like 10 years ago, There was not a lot of money in the United States for fighters below 126 or definitely not below 122 pounds. It's the reason Rigondo didn't fight at 118 and then kind of started fighting at 118 again later in his career, you know, in his close to 40s. But Rigo went to 122 and then higher than that because that's where the money was. Nonito has decided, you know what? I'm going to plant my flag at 118. 
This is where I'm the best. This is where I'm the strongest. This is where I'm going to finish my career as a world champion in the best fights. And I got to ding the bell for that because there's nothing to, 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 to complain about here. Uh, also, the fact is he wants to take on the best. Like, he wants to rematch in a way. Uh, I don't think he got enough credit for that fight against in a way because you know what? A lot of people were, were, were reading vigils for this dude before he went out to Japan for that fight because they thought he was just going to get destroyed. And he broke orbital. He broke an orbital bone in Japan. Uh, he's been ripping up livers, as I saw G, uh, G. Hizzy say, uh, saying. So let me shout out my brother, Nopal, though, another member of the ATP Network of Champions. Okay. Uh, you got to check out Al Chile. Al Chile on Chicano Profit. He says Nonito has been around for so long and can still snag belts. Would love to know how you all assess his overall resume. Hall of Fame career. That's how I that's how I rated Hall of Fame career. D style. He's already in the Hall of Fame. Like that that's that that's that's everything right now is just like extra. Like you know what I mean? Like that's what right now is. And and I like how you put it like he's like like a like a martial arts master because that's how he approached this. Like he was sitting down, like he was Mr. Splinter at the, the press conference. You know what I mean? Like I'm just like like you know, the dude Zen, you know, he's he's sitting Indian style, he's talking like a master, and he's talking about this kid right here, you know, he's gonna do great things, but right now is my time, and then after the fight, he's like, Hey, if you ever need anything, I'm there for you, you know, come to my dojo, I will teach you the way. Uh like you know what I mean, you will have a future young man. Like like he's still like he's molding these young kids after he knocks them out. You know what I mean? That's exactly it. One of my best friends, you know, is actually a black belt in um, a Shotokan karate and is the, uh, for a long time, was the president of uh, a national federation in Central America and a vice president of the Central American Federation. And when I used to see older guys do kumite against younger guys, you know what it was, D-style? Yeah. One kick, boom. One punch, boom. Rib broken, liver shot. That's it. They're not out there trying to play the young man's game against the young lion. Like, that's what it reminded me of. He did what he needed to do. He knew where he wanted to land that shot. He couldn't land a hook so, to the head. He admitted it. So what did he do? He saw the opening. Boom, one shot. It's over. Call it a night. So amazing. Martial, martial arts style, yo. You know, so, so amazing, so accurate. It's so like that's powerful. what Canelo did. He went to go console plant like after he knocked him out. You know what I mean? Like it's okay, my friend. You know, we, we're both human. You know, let's live life. You know, and I forgive you for everything. We, we, we're human. You know, like let's say what's what's the Zen stuff? It's that master mentality. Uh, I do got to get going, guys. Uh, mano a mano, live, ladies and gentlemen, with Maestro Ah uh, and Kenny T. Hit the like button. This is ACP Prime Time Monday night. And we'll see what power punchers after Mano a Mano at Calix Boxing. Peace 100%. out, guys. Uh, link is in the chat. I'll be dropping it later. Make sure you go over to Calix Boxing 2.0. And the conversation will continue over there. But before we get up out of here, we still have a few more minutes. So stay with us. Don't run away. Don't run away just yet. We're right here. We're not going away just yet. 
We got to talk 175 pounds. It's a division stacked with talent. We had a guy fighting this past weekend in Moscow. Okay, I'm talking about Dimitri Bivol. And look, here's my opinion about Bivol. Bivol does what he needs to do to beat the level of opposition that he's fighting against. Uh, He doesn't go out necessarily to destroy people, but he thoroughly outboxes people. Uh, People gave him a little bit of criticism because he's, uh, you know, he went rounds, obviously, with Craig uh, Richards out in the U.K., a U.K. heavyweight, who, by the way, is very underrated. People don't talk about him a lot when they're talking about the top guys in England. They oftentimes mention Callum Johnson, who's going to be fighting Joe Smith, or Anthony Yard, who just just beat uh, Lyndon Arthur, or Joshua Buatzi. They don't really talk Craig Richards, but Craig Richards is a solid guy. And he put in some good work against Bivol, but Bivol came out with the victory in that fight, okay? Um, He did the same thing against Salomov, a guy who was supposed to fight Joe Smith Jr., but tested positive for COVID and couldn't take on that particular fighter. I felt that Salomov should have probably tried, uh, actually, he couldn't try and wait for Joe Smith because Joe Smith is lined up for somebody else now, but that would have been a more it would have been a more winnable fight for Salomov than 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 Bivol. Uh Joe Smith is is there uh to get outboxed. I personally felt that he lost against Glasov when he fought the Russian. I felt that he got some home cook cooked refereeing in that fight. I'm not saying it was a robbery robbery, but I had mm-hmm. Glasov winning that fight by at least a couple rounds. I don't think ESPN was giving him enough credit. Uh it was all about the lunch pail the blue collar, Joe Smith out of Long Island. I don't know how many times they mentioned he was in a union and that he was, a, you know, a construction worker and all of that other stuff. Uh, I saw him getting outboxed, honestly, in, in, the, in, that, in that fight um, against Glasov. And uh, I think that Salomov would have probably had a little bit more success there against, than against Bivov. Bivol fights like a guy... You know, who's just cruising on the highway, man. Um, doesn't necessarily try to drop down a gear and then ramp it up and out accelerate you and, and and run the red line of his sports car. He's happy just cruising. And honestly, that's all he really needs to do against the guy that he the guys that he's been fighting. I thought that he was, you know, he 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 won that fight clearly on Saturday, Kenny. What what were your thoughts on his performance? Well, I agree that he clearly won the fight. He always does exactly what you said. No more than just what he needs to win the fight. And I agree with Lennox was best. Bevo is boring, in my opinion. He's He stays safe and he stays boring. He barely takes any risk. And I think he's a great fighter nonetheless, but that does not uh, change the fact that I have trouble, if, like, I have trouble watching the guys' fights, yo. I have to really focus and really pay attention Uh as a deeper boxing fan, I can't, I can't really be drinking beers and, and be buzzed while watching a b-ball fight because I may fall asleep. And I'm not hating on the guy. I just think he doesn't take any risks. And we all like to see a guy who takes risks because that's a guy who's willing to hit the other guy harder and willing to get hit hard in order to finish the fight early and not just cruise to 12 rounds every single time. That reminds me of your criticisms back in the day, Kenny, when we used to work with each other of Andre Ward. 
Um, you felt that Andre Ward didn't do a lot of the things that you were just saying. Who? And by the way, Andre Ward is another guy that fought at light heavyweight, Kenny. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm not really a fan of Andre Ward's uh, and his career. I think he retired too early. He retired before he took any of the big fights. And I said the same thing. I thought he was boring. He was a guy who went in there and didn't really have power. Uh, and I thought he got beat by Kovalev the first time. And I thought he was getting beat by Kovalev the second time uh, before the ref hopped in and called that bullshit uh, uh, when he was uh, Kovalev was getting hit with the low blows, and the ref called the fight over, said that Kovalev didn't want to fight. That was a knockout. It's the biggest bullshit I ever seen, ever in my life, and that uh, makes me lose respect for Andre Ward. But yes, Andre Ward also does the same thing. Barely takes risks. Um, he's short, and it, it's he cruises to twelve round victories. And I think Andre Ward gets way too much credit. For what he does. People out here talking about, oh, yeah, he would beat Canelo. Shut the fuck up. You guys are clowns. Andre Ward, don't, like, please. Let's go back and look at Andre Ward's career. And then tell me that he would beat Canelo. Well, maybe that that maybe that maybe will be a, an interesting discussion on no cap boxing recap. Uh, hosted by my brother Kenny T right there. Make sure you subscribe to his channel. Link is in the description box. Make sure you subscribe to Pro Smoke. By Maestro Ah, that's my channel. I go live. We talk current events. I'm going to be talking with Joe Abib tomorrow about some big news that's been going on in the world of current events uh, this week and last week. Uh, but look, let's go back to Bivol for a second. I got to see him against Zordo. I think Zordo's a guy who's got the size, the strength, and the boxing ability to force him out of second or third gear into fourth or fifth or even sixth. Uh, to use a sports car analogy, you know, uh, I think that's going to be a really good fight. I'd also like to see him in there against Baturvia, but Baturvia is tied up right now. Uh, he's actually going to be fighting, I believe it's actually next weekend um, in Montreal, uh, which should be a, a, a good home, home performance for him, um, but definitely a fight that he should win. Uh, by the way, uh, we talked about Inouye earlier. Inouye's fighting Wednesday morning, so make sure you check that out. All right, it's going to be on ESPN Plus. Uh, I that to us. Yeah, I because I, it's in Japan. I expect I expect in a way to get the win, um, but every in a way fight is ex, is is exciting because of how explosive he is, and because you know that it could end at any moment on any shot. He's going to be taking on Deep Pyan, um, you know, out there in Tokyo. So I think that that should be good. We've also got Mendez Taniguchi on uh, that card as well. Another decent fight so if you're you know at work you may want to sneak out to the break room or to the bathroom and uh, whip out your phone and watch some some fights uh if you can wednesday morning um should i believe the main event supposed to start about 10 a.m eastern uh standard time so do the math if you're anywhere else so that's what i think should happen with bevo i'd like to see him in against ramirez you know, uh, we'll see what the other what happens uh, with the other uh, fighters. I think that Joe Smith will likely take on Baturvia because they're both top-ranked guys. All right, so that's a, definitely a makeable fight. Bivol should take on Ramirez. They're both uh, allied to the zone. So to me, that that that's a makeable fight. Lastly, and we'll get into this later, probably on No Cap Boxing Recap, and definitely I'll try to go live before this fight happens. Derek Chisora against Joseph Parker. I've got Parker winning the rematch. Uh, you know, I, I think he's he's prepared well. He's going to have more time to blend 
and mesh with Andy Lee and Andy Lee's training style. You know, I don't think that there's room for improvement with Chisora. I thought that we saw the best of Chisora. We've seen it already. I think that there's room for improvement with Joe Parker. Um, that's my opinion right now. I'll give a full breakdown of that uh, later on. Um, Kenny. Uh, I agree with you on that thought, but I'd like to go back to you saying that uh, uh, um, Joe Smith and Bevo should fight. Fuck that. I think Bevo and Better BF should fight. Uh, those are, in my opinion, are two bigger names, and I want to see fucking... I didn't I say wanna... Joe Smith, Bevo. I said, huh? B- I said Joe Smith, Baterviev. And I see it happening exactly. because, not Bevol, I think it will happen because they're both signed the top rank. That's the only reason I threw that one out there. Gotcha. I'd also I, like to see Bevol, Baterviev, but I just don't think that's as makeable a fight. Um, I mean, whether it's makeable or not, I don't, I don't know. I don't really look into the depths of boxing like that. Uh, but I do think that that would be the fight that I would rather see because I don't think Bevol's tested. And I think better BF will come in there and – with the fire, you know what I'm saying? Better, better be if it's more uh, my style, my type of fighter, aggressive, um, all, very good defensive, very, very sound fundamentally, but willing to take the risk and willing to go in there for the kill. That'd be my preferable fight. But yeah, you're right. Those other fights, I guess, seem more makeable because they're from the same stable. So it just, it makes complete sense. And there you go. Uh, we've pretty much hit most of what we wanted to talk about. Make sure you go over to Calix Boxing. For the remainder of HCP primetime, okay, the discussion is going to continue on over there. The link is in the chat. Make sure you hit that. Make sure you let them know that Maestro and Kenny T sent you over there. All right? Let them know, all right, that the flow is working perfectly on Monday night, HCP primetime from Maestro to Calix, all right? I also want to remind you to subscribe to Pro Smoke by Maestro A and to Knocked Out by Kenny. Both links are in the description box. Hit those as well. Hit the like. Hit the notification. Hit the subscribe button. And head out right now to go to my brother Calix. He is live. That's going to be it for Mano a Mano. HCP Primetime continues. We'll see you back here, right here, 8 p.m. Eastern next week. That is it for us. We are out of here. Thank mm-hmm. you.